If you're still on the hunt for a sports book to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to $25,000 or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now and take advantage of our generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus of up to $1,000. All you have to do is claim promo code MADNESS50. But the fun doesn't stop there. Get up to the minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie? You can bet on anything, anytime, from anywhere. Use promo code MADNESS50, that's MADNESS50, to secure your limited-time welcome bonus today. All right, folks, welcome back to the latest Mountain West Wire football podcast, mwwire.com. As a website, we are doing a Week 11 recap, myself and Matt. And Matt, we have games, and we have games this week to talk about. (laughs) Is that a good way to put it? We have good results, and holy crap, what is your team doing? Do you still need your coach? Or do you still want your coach? Plenty of intrigue all the way around. We could put it that way. There are potential tie-breaking scenarios that might come into play, which we will dabble in. We're not. I got to do a little bit of a deeper dive in that. I don't want to like talk without knowing knowing exactly what could happen. We did it last week, but I have the standage up here, so it'll be more coherent in kind of the basic scenarios where tiebreakers could come into play. We're not going to go down to divisional cross record um, who had the best punch in the, inside the 10 yard line or two point conversion completion percentage mm-hmm. to figure out who's getting the conference division. But one thing I would um, do you think, let me ask you this real quick. We'll get to San Diego state when could win their game. Cause that was a good one. That was the one I really wanted to watch. You got to it and everything. If they host, are they going to fill the stadium, the championship game? Because it, I know it's a late game. So they get those seven, seven thirty Pacific kick times. It's not in San Diego. It's what? What's Carson from San Diego? 80 miles, a good two-hour drive probably. Is that about right? And that that's if you're lucky and, and don't hit traffic on five up and down that stretch from, from San Diego to LA. Like I've, I've I've been down there a handful of times and and yeah, it is not um it's not an easy drive to make if you're a San Diego native. So that's and, why- and honestly, to you know, to answer your question, like if just kind of based off of past precedent so far. To this point, they haven't really come close to selling out Dignity Hall Sports Park, which, you know, I, I would say is, is not necessarily their fault. It's just like you said, it's and there's an opportunity cost involved in being able to you know, make that kind of trip. And, you know, not everybody can do that from week to week. And so, like, I think, you know, I would imagine like if they do make it to the championship game, that it'll probably have at least some kind of bump in attendance. But as far as you know, being able to sell the place out, I would have a lot of difficulty thinking that just in terms of sort of the way things progressed throughout the fall, that they would even come close to doing that. I would say one decent part about it, the championship game is mid-afternoon, I believe. Mm-hmm. So with these games at 7.30 local, you'd have to leave what? Let's just say leave at 4 o'clock, my, like just 3 or 4 o'clock, somewhere in that range. Your game's done at what, 11 o'clock, 8, 3, three-hour game, 11 o'clock, get home at 1 a.m. It's like, that's a full day, and people don't want to do that, especially if you have younger ones who want to go to the game, stuff like that. Or Yeah, I mean, it's it's not quite the same thing, but like out here in the Central Valley, for instance, it would be like traveling from Bakersfield to go to a game in Fresno. Yeah, it's like you don't want to – it's it's tough. So it was not, not a knock at them. I was just curious because 
I would hope it'd be filled more because it should be a pretty good game if they play Utah State or Air Force or whoever it may be, maybe Boise State, if they somehow get some tiebreaker love their way or figure it out or whatever the scenarios come to be. But I just thought because I saw a couple overhead views of that stadium, like, oh, man, because that stadium only holds, what, 30,000? It's a pretty modest-sized field. Yeah, I think it's like 20-something thousand, if I'm not mistaken. Because it is, what, the MLS club there that hosts that place? Uh, The LA Galaxy, yeah. Galaxy, okay. All right, so let's get to games. We'll get to that in a minute. Just my first thought. Friday night, Boise State, Wyoming, 23-13. Is Craig Bull going to stick around? Is he okay? Do we know what his buyout is off the top of his head, off the top of your head? I'll look at him if you want to discuss how Greg Kalani is, uh, or excuse me, oh, but, oh my goodness, George Kalani is the, perfectly the wrong. Continued my... disrespects, Jeremy. Uh, that was I'm a just kidding. Total, I'm kidding. Total I'm kidding. slip of the tongue, people. I know. I'm like the other people that wasn't. It's not on purpose. Back to back hundred yard games. But let me look up his buyout where you kind of get the recap going. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of a strange game to watch in that, you know, Wyoming, if you just look at it in terms of like how the game developed, like it, they weren't really that far out of it into the fourth quarter but it seemed like it right But then you never really thought that they were gonna get things going and you know and there was a number of reasons for that i think you know one thing that kept coming up if you were following the game on twitter is they were killing themselves with penalties all throughout the game you know especially you know especially like a lot of false start penalties how many did they have one two three they ended up having four altogether on offense they didn't yep. run the ball either. Javon Valaday, is he hurt or something? Because it's mostly the Tyler Swen show as well. Well, and and there's also like, you know, I think sort of the, the perfect encapsulation of how this game went. It was on that first drive. I believe it was coming out of halftime. Um, they complete a 15, you know, they complete a 15 yard pass, you know, swing pass from Levi Williams to Xavier Valaday. Mm-hmm. Um, got called back by holding. Oh, that holding call. Oh, geez. And then and the then, wide receiver holding. I'm like, what? That I get it, but it's like oh no. That one, gosh. that one was on an offensive lineman. Oh, oh maybe they can another another play. My bad. But then immediately bad, yeah. after that, you know, they had to delay a game. And the timeout one is that what you're talking about? Where they called all the timeouts? No, no, no. This was like right after halftime. Oh, I'm, see, there's so many mistakes they had. I can't even keep track of them. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It was they, they were down 13 to seven, mm-hmm. and they had they were first and ten at the Boise State 47 yard line. So you know they had started their 24, and they'd had a lot of positive momentum. You know, Levi Williams had a gain of eight, Titus Swen had a gain of seven, you know, uh, Williams had a gain of 11 to Joshua Cobbs, you know, so they're, they're in that situation. And then all, then they get backed up by back-to-back penalties. All of a sudden it's first and 25, they're back on their own 38 and they go basically three and out from there. And then, and then while it wasn't necessarily that Boise State went out and answered immediately, you know, they, they basically never got any offensive momentum going for the, for the rest of the game. You know, and, and from there, like, you know, Boise State had, I believe, one more touchdown drive in the fourth quarter. Um, and that was only after, you know, Levi Williams had that tip drill interception, which, yeah, I would say that wasn't his fault. Yeah. On the whole, it he, just played a, he played a pretty solid game, you know, eight, 11 of 18, 156 yards, one touchdown and then one pick. Yeah, that's like the type of game I said if he does, plays. Like, that's what those numbers for how much they throw is kind of what it should be. I know the one pass wasn't like they had that one pass to Isaiah Nayor, Nayor that would down the field forever a touchdown. But yeah, that was that, that was after the game was already out of reach, though. Yeah, I, I know, but think about it, that's half his yards. It's like that's the end of the game. That's a fourth quarter touchdown. So and they had exactly they had exactly two other big passing plays throughout that game too. Yeah, and so well, what the fifth 
the two year passes that went over 10 yards. They had, yeah. 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 They had a, they had a 25 yard completion in there, which was also oh, the a, pretty, a pretty heads up play. Uh, and then they had a 15 yard pass completion to Wyatt Wyland. And, you know, that I think sort of tells the story of the game right there too. It's like, you know, they had a handful of big plays, which is nice. You know, I think on a, on a per play basis, if you, you know, if you measure big plays, Wyoming was more explosive um, and they're right. Yeah, and, but half the yards, half the past yards came one place. So it's like, think of well, it that's what I'm saying. That, you didn't let me, you didn't let me finish my point. Oh, sorry. I could, sorry. I, I was jumping and, in there like, hey, I got and, and both sides ended up rushing the ball fairly well. Like in terms of rushing success rate, Boise State had a yeah. 57% uh, success rate on the ground, which which is good. And I think, you know, you mentioned Hawani going over 100 yards is the biggest indicator of that. Mm-hmm. And while Swen and Valade didn't necessarily match him play for play, like their team rushing success rate was 54%. So weren't they, they weren't that far behind on the ground. No, but the, but the biggest drop-off was in terms of overall offensive success rate. And that number dipped all the way to 32%. And I think a lot of that had to do with getting backed up into a lot of third and long situations, even third and mid situations, you know, they, they didn't have a single third down in this game that quantified as third and shorts so third and four yards or fewer. And on the more manageable third downs that they did have, if you look at what actually happened, they ran the ball on third and five at their own 44 and got four yards. And then they yeah. did it again on, you know, deeper in their own territory before halftime when maybe they're just sort of like, you know, protecting field position or something like that. Two times in a row, they had third and five and ran, ran the ball for four yards. Pass, pass, play action, pass. Come on. You have Levi Williams, roll him out and pass. Like you have guys who are threats to move the ball on the ground, but third and five is risky to do just a typical or semi-typical running play. Right. It's like, yeah. And so, and you know, I think the fact that, you know, Wyoming ended up on in third and nine on average sort of tells you everything you need to know. It, it's not like they played. Okay. Like it wasn't a blowout. They lost by 10 points, but all yeah. penalties. If, they, if they lost by 10 points. Reason- it felt like they and, and they even gained they outgained Boise on a per play basis. But again, considering that you know a huge chunk of that came on when it was already out of reach, yeah, you know, the 74 play. yard touchdown to, to Nair, that number is sort of deceptive. Like it very and I think it's I think it definitely is sort of indicative of the fact that they wasted another pretty decent defensive effort. Yeah, like you know, they like they didn't necessarily like disrupt a lot. They only had one sack, they only had four TFLs. But, you know, Boise State, to their, to their credit, didn't make any mistakes. Like, they didn't give Wyoming you know, any ground, you know, in, in terms of, like, you know, short yardage field positions or, you know, whatever you want. Or turnovers, which is why Boise's been losing some of these games. They've been – their turnover luck, their turnover margin change had the interception of plus one. Yeah. But, yeah, they didn't make mistakes. Like, they, Hank Bachmer had a, a – not an amazing game, had a solid game. Like it could have been a lot worse for Wyoming, but you know, yeah, totally. Boise, Boise State had five opportunities inside the Wyoming 30 yard line <laughs> and scored just two touchdowns. Like I, I would think under a lot of different circumstances, the fact that they could hold Boise to three field goals, you know, and credit to Jonah Damas for you know continuing to be basically a kicking machine. Okay. Um but you know, it could have been a lot worse if, if Wyoming hadn't been able to buckle down at times and at least to keep their you know, they I, I would say that the defense by and large did everything that it could to keep Wyoming in the game. It's just that the offense had no answers against the Boise State defense that, you know, as we talked about last week, you know, it's not the same kind of defense we expected to see at the beginning of the year. 
but you know they've they've implemented some new pieces and it seems like you know between the the fresh blood and the veterans that were that were coming back that we knew were talented pieces that they have more or less figured it out on that side of the ball yeah did you like this game there's, there's so few possessions at the ball why we ran 47 plays no yeah like and Boise ran not much more than what 70 plays well, no, almost double starting. 32 passes, 32 rush plays. That's what 70. Yeah. Like, and, th- and that's, that's where you, that's a problem too. Like, yeah. Oh, and that's geez. where you get a, you know, you, you get a lot of stat lines that don't necessarily like pop off the page, but you know, again, Khalil Shakir had 14 targets, eight catches, 83 yards. And, and, and yeah. oh, by the way, Boise State did this without Stephen Cobbs and Octavius Evans as well. They're two and three. Yeah. Yeah. Billy Bowens stepped up. He had four catches for 36 yards. Riley Smith had a touchdown, you know, 20, I believe it was, he had a 27 yard catch. I think the other one was the short touchdown. Um, you know, Davis Cutter had a couple of catches. So Boise found ways to, you know, move the ball and they weren't necessarily like that much more or less explosive than the Cowboys were themselves. No, they just, but they, moved the but ball they didn't, better. they didn't need to be because they just generally moved the ball better. Yeah. Even when like, like they punt, like a couple of their drives, like their first possession, like when they went inside it on the one, I mean, half the field, nine plays, they punted nine plays. They had a plenty of plenty of drives. Where, okay, they didn't score, but they were holding the ball. Where Wyoming, like it's the team where you play Wyoming field goals will get you the victory, and that proved it this game with the multiple field goals Boise scored. And how you said they weren't effective. What inside the thirty was that your stat you mentioned? Like how many times they scored? They Such stalled. Like, they stalled a few times inside the thirty. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. It was like on yeah. offense, it was more of like a kind of a B plus type of game. If you're if you're grading in terms of like you know having you know missing pieces and things like that. But yeah, again, a B plus against a Wyoming offense that just you know could not find any answers is, was more than good enough. So I found Craig Bull's Craig Bull's buyout situation. Okay. If he's fired before 12, 31, 21. So basically about New Year's Eve, if he's fired before, it's 2.31 after 1.19. And so if they're gonna get rid of him, I'm not saying they will. But there's some discontent because they already have a new offensive coordinator this year. They made those changes. So if if they're getting rid of them, there's no point in waiting to save, I guess it's well, over a million dollars. So it's yeah, like you get and, them now. It's and the, like if you wait until January 1, it's like mm, it's tough. I timing. mean, the problem in Laramie is that it seems pretty clear what the floor is for their program. But the expectation was that, that would they would reach a new ceiling this year. Yeah. And that just hasn't happened. They have a San Diego State problem. But like, if but they have but they haven't had the results that the Aztecs have had. Well, I know. My point being, like offensively, they're they're fairly fairly similar teams. Mm-hmm. They have good defense. They run the ball well, and quarterback play is just don't screw up. Essentially, is their motto for quarterback play, right? Like don't screw up. And but when they don't run the ball well, when they have forty something plays, because San Diego State's more disciplined. What I mean for this year, looking at the penalties and everything, they're not doing needing to call a timeout right away, having a false start, having dumb holding penalties doing like they're not there and they're i don't know if they're good of them or not but they start off four and oh the dip of going what are they one and five since then because they're, they're what, one five and five in conference play yeah yeah one and five in conference play one five and five overall so like i don't know what was up with swen and validate like validate barely played or his carries wasn't as what they should be but and it's just a game like i said it's only 10 point games like oh it should be close but they are the per play was fine like the yardage deceptful by that one last play like you mentioned but overall it's only 10 points like well this should be a closer game but Boise was knocking on the door all night they just Wyoming's defense did all they could holding the field goals not long touchdowns it's just a Wyoming offense just can't score points 
And Boise's defense, like I said, has kind of figured it out the past couple weeks. Yeah, and 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 that puts them in a position where, you know, as unlikely as it might have seemed a few weeks ago when they were really scuffling, especially on offense, it seemed like that was more or less the, mm-hmm. the, the thing that was going to hold them back. But, you know, Helani's return seems to have given them a shot in the arm. You know, we talked about it after last week's win against Fresno State. They just look like a different offense now that Helani is back to full speed. And yeah, not, so they're, but, they're, they're still in a position where, you know, they, they can keep pressure on Utah State. We'll talk more about the Aggies in a few minutes, but they're, they're still hanging around. Yeah, basically, if Utah State loses and everybody else wins out, they're all – it's the, type, the short answer tiebreaker – is that Air Force, Boise, and Utah State all have two losses each? Yes, and and, and one, and they're all one and one against each other. Yeah, yeah. So we'll get to what all that means later. Which I think the quick answer is divisional opponents mm-hmm. record versus below, and then probably I think common opponents or something. I forget. Yeah, exactly, we'll we'll do a deeper dive into that. If yeah. I have some time this week, I will probably you know just lay out each scenario. Yeah. No, I can't, do, last... I can't do that. Last year's weirdness isn't this. You know, oh. that we're back to back yeah. to normal. Two years ago, I should say. Whatever. Yeah. We have a recent article, which is they haven't changed, but that's uh let's get to Saturday. Let's move on. What do we need to start with the Hawaii UNLV game? Uh the ninth island showdown, golden pineapple oh. staying in Vegas. 27 Vegas. to 13. Okay. What's your thoughts about um Hawaii's defensive coordinator or defense at the moment? Charles well, Williams basically how do you explain his 200 plus rushing performance? dominance embarrassing toward hawaii like there was nothing he couldn't do i mean yeah uh it's yeah like if we just want to like he he preys on williams for five minutes we can do that 38 carries 38 holy crap yeah, he basically put the offense on his back especially in the second half because you know in the yeah. first half it was a it was a much different kind of game like the, what was the score at halftime it was like 10 to 10 tied. wasn't it 10 to 10 yeah tied and a lot of that was driven by the fact that both teams just could not stop giving away the football in that first half. No, all the fumbles, interceptions, like you had to what two picks overall by Cambridge Frill. He had two fumbles, one loss. You had the um whatever what else was there? Two picks by Cordero. Sorry, I was trying to look at the right thing, but like so many turnovers and it was tied. And we look at Hawaii, it's like Shavon Cordero didn't play great. The quarterback plays garbage. Like, this was not a good game to watch. Running game, the only good thing worth watching was Charles Williams. And I get those deep, a couple of deep passes, like the Kyle Williams and Steve Jenkins passes mm-hmm. were pretty good because that was the majority of uh, Cam Frill's um, passing yards. That was about 96 yards, I think. They had 172. And so there wasn't a ton of spotlights to watch offensively. Like, defensively, yeah, Hawaii, it's where too Hawaii also got six TFLs, but Charles Williams still had 266 yards. Like mm-hmm. They're sort of getting to the backfield providing decent pressure, but this was just a Charles Williams show, and Hawaii often, like, how can Hawaii not score more points to get just Rebels defense, which we've seen to not be very good this year for the most part? It's because they're, they're, start, they're starting to figure it out. Finally, it's good. Here's the thing, too. We'll get to this Colorado State game later. But UNLV is actually improving where the Rams are just kind of going up and down and not – they're not getting any better. They're usually getting worse or going to okay. So that's what we'll get to for coaching, why those two are different. But the third quarter was a difference where Hawaii – I guess the second and third quarter, Hawaii was shut out, only had a field goal in the second half, didn't move the ball well enough down the – clearly they couldn't because Didi Hunter was back. He didn't run the ball very well. When, when he doesn't run the ball well, because that's kind of what we've said – 
if the Warriors can run the ball pretty well, that'll it's basically for everybody. But when he has big games, like he had 170 something yard game a couple weeks ago before he got hurt, but they're four and seven, not in bowl contention out of the, they're not doing it no matter what. But we this is a concern all year of running the ball well, and half his rushing yards came on one play. And Calvin Turner had minus 13. Like he only had two carries. Why did he only get the ball five total times? That's a problem too. Get your best player the ball. Maybe they just maybe they just couldn't. That's part of it too. Like you you and Elite, it's figuring out, but you gotta try. It's like get that guy the ball, man. It's like they're Hawaii's pretty one of them. They're they're one of the more disappointing teams this year, I must say. They're not doing great. We thought Cord- I know Todd Graham is year two. You would think I know they lost all the coaches too, but at this point, that's can't be an excuse anymore. All the coaches that went to UCF and Pitt lost like four or five coaches overall to, to different better programs. But Cordero's never been this bad, unless he's not healthy, got banged up again because he did miss those couple of games, but he didn't seem to be throwing the ball well. Like Nick Martiner was the best thing all day, and he had all of his hit the 79 yard 79 yard play, but that's about all the offense they had that was anything worthwhile. And it wasn't why he just struggled all day. And give UNLV credit for actually, like you said, getting better to Kobe Whitman, all these other guys like Kyle B- Butry, 10 tackles. You had all these players make sacks, TFLs. You had guys getting the backfield. They had a couple pass breakups. They were getting all over the place and harassing Hawaii, who just didn't seem to be able to figure anything out. It was an early, early-ish game, but they played early in Utah State a couple weeks ago. It didn't seem to – well, no, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe those early kicks are killing them because they lost by 20 points to Utah State. Lose to UNLV by 14 points playing those early afternoon games on the West Coast. I mean, like on, late, honestly, Hawaii, I just got, they just got beat in the trenches on, know, bo- just, on both sides of the football. Yeah, nothing. They couldn't do anything well. So what do you think about UNLV going forward? Like, it's back-to-back wins. Is this like, like are they really figuring out? Or are they just getting teams who are just kind of uh, not quite there? Because being in Mexico, honestly, whatever. Beating Hawaii raises the eyebrow a little bit. Like sure. I mean, like maybe, I you know, maybe you can grade on a curve, but again, you know, the, like the coaching staff made adjustments in ways where, you know, in past weeks where they were having that, that string of close losses, you weren't always seeing that from them. So, you know, once, once Friel, you know, through the couple of early interceptions, they more yeah. or less, you know, took the ball out of his hands and said, okay, well, we've got a senior running back who we, you know, is, is setting, you know, conference records at this point. Let's, let's just give him the ball and see what happens. And put him in they, timeout, right? They basically, and, and I think, sorry, buddy. <laughs> and I mean, you know, other than the two interceptions, like Friel didn't have a bad game, you know, he was six, you know, he completed 60% of his passes. So you, when they needed him to step up and move the ball as the game progressed, like he still managed to do that, you know, mm-hmm you basically eliminated those early mistakes down the stretch. But I think more importantly, it's like, you know, the offensive line stepped up in a big way. So that's one thing, but also, mm-hmm. you know, we saw, you know, the, the young talents really stepping up, you know, Noel Williams had a couple of pass breakups. Um, Ricky Johnson had the two interceptions of Cordero, you know, Kyle mm-hmm. Beaudry making his second straight start, you know, he led the team with 10 tackles again, you know, so, you know, we knew coming into the year that like, you know, they had some talent, it was just a matter of like, you know, filling in the blanks, if you will, as far as, okay, well, who else was going to step up? And that I think more than anything is what we've seen over the past few weeks where, you know, maybe they're just sort of regressing to the mean, if nothing else, where, you know, where they were having really bad close game luck in October, maybe that's turning around a little bit in November. 
There is that. And also I'm posting our, our article, the recap, where it's basically Bo Graham needs to get the crap out of there for offensive coordinator. <laughs> and I, I, I don't get like a buddy Scott is like put out there because he's just kind of like, this isn't a good offense. We're not moving the ball. Well, you do need to give credit to the NLV, but this hasn't been an issue. You know what I mean? It's been an issue for a while. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I get Where what you're saying. Be, and, and again, running game has been problems last year and this year, and it's you know it's a combination of both. You know, you know, getting better, but why not getting their best player of the ball? Well, not... we, j- we just talked about it with Wyoming, uh, yeah. Where Hawaii only ran 51 plays, and a mm-hmm. lot of that was you know one the turnovers, but two they were also two of 14 on third downs, and again, and that was against you know one of the worst third down defenses at you know t- to that point anywhere in the country. That is inexcusable if I'm a Hawaii yeah, that's, fan. That's the point, the play call. And it's like you have creative ways to get people the ball, especially with like, even if you don't give it to Calvin Tyler Turner, excuse me, you have other, like, not that he's his decoy, but he needs to be watched and get somebody the ball. Like maybe DD Hunter wasn't fully healthy. I don't know because he didn't play very well. Cause he, did he play last week? I forget. Was he back or no? Uh, he, I, I believe he was dressed, but didn't play. Okay, that's yeah, we discussed that's right. He warmed up. So maybe he's not fully healthy, and that's a problem. They wanted to give him the ball and he just couldn't get it done. But this UNLV team's not very good. They're getting better and they have good players like you mentioned. But even if you're playing against a team that's improving but not good, two of what was what did you say, two of thirteen on third down? Yes. That's, no, no, they were they had two interceptions, they were two of fourteen. On two of fourteen. Down. Like you gotta be better. Like give me six of fourteen. Give me a couple more. Like if you convert a couple of those, this is a different, possibly a different game. Mm-hmm. It was, the offense, it's stale. It's not good. It's they should have one big play, but this was a game where Cordero should have had a much better passing game because you know the secondary hasn't been like that was the stuff last year and this like they typically can kind of be thrown upon, and they're not. They got the interceptions. They held them to I I want to say as low as completion percentage of the year. I don't I don't know top of my head, but pretty low clearly. Well, we I mean I, I, t- I tried to warn you coming into this game. I don't listen sometimes. It's okay, but I, I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I stuck at the second boy state for a while. I finally got right one time. So um, I don't know. Anything else to add this game? Cause this game was just like, it was just a disappointing perform- performance by Hawaii. No, I mean, it's, it, it makes, it puts UNLV in a very interesting position because now all of a sudden, you know, we'll talk more about it when we get to next week's preview. They're looking like a little more, maybe a pause, like a little, a little, uh, little spoiler going on. And so I know. That, so so San Diego State, which Air we'll, Force. We'll, we'll talk more about that. You know, they get they get the Aztecs next week. Yeah, and and maybe San Diego State doesn't want to be looking ahead to Boise. Do not no, I'm no stop. There's no reason San Diego State shouldn't win that game thirty to three. I'm just saying we'll see. I'm I'm seeing no. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. Let's get, let's get to your Fresno State game where Jordan Mims was the star of the day. One of many, right? Yeah, I'm just saying. Yeah, 34-7, Fresno State wins over to Mexico. Um, same with Jordan Mims, running back, leads your team in receiving. It's a pretty good day. Four for 103, big running place. Um, I will say for this really quick for the Mexico before we dive into it, Aaron Dumas, heck yeah, 143 yards on the ground. Lobos are – not great, but they have a couple things. Like they're like UNLV. They have yeah, a couple things this was there. this was really like the evidence of you know this team has had a lot of growing pains in 2021. Yes. New Mexico, especially quarterback, which injuries more than anything. But 
two of eight, 34 yards, one pick. Whew. Yeah. It, and it's, and it's, it was pretty clear early that they weren't going to be able to threaten through the air. Like they had, they had one, they had the one pass play to trace Bruckler and that was about it. And I, and I made the note on Twitter that it just seemed like, you know, with the, you know, the reinvention of the offense, you know, they, they were, I think, I don't want to say they were lucky to catch Wyoming off guard because, you know, that I think does a disservice to what the coaching staff did to be able to prepare to make that kind of pivot. But against this defense, it just seemed slow. Did you get that impression? A little bit, yeah. Well, look at what we'll Fresno State did. You know what I mean? Yeah, it just seemed like, you know, Fresno State had a lot more speed up front than New Mexico could handle. And so that's where, you know, even though the numbers don't necessarily pop off the page, you know, they only had five TFLs on the day. Again, it was basically the Aaron Dumas show, and they basically had nothing else to offer. No passing, no defense. Ronnie Rivers was back, ran the ball pretty well. Didn't need him to do a ton. He had 70 yards and a touchdown, ran fine. Like Jalen Cropper, whatever, five catches. Yeah, I mean, the defense really took it on the chin as a result of the offensive ineptitude. Yeah, like overall, this is one of the worst games for New Mexico all year. Outside of Dumas going away as a freshman, had the good yards. Had he, again, a third of his yards came on play, but I don't care. Explosive plays is what New Mexico needs. They had two all day, the 25-yarder and a 63-yard run. That's it. And their touchdown came late in the game and not on the um, one of the Dumas run. But mm-hmm. there's Jay Kaner at 300 yards, three touchdowns. Like, just like the result I expected in this game. There's nothing that overly surprises me outside of New Mexico – basically throwing the ball like a service academy and a battle one. <laughs> they don't, like, they don't, have, they they don't have air. I don't think they have air force speed right now. No, but you know, I mean like they ran the ball pretty well and seven, eight passes. That's what I'm getting at mm-hmm. where like Chavez, he's three. It's even a scholarship. I know he's a walk on last year. I believe and he's maybe, on scholarship. Yeah. I hope so. I have to beat Fresno last year, but Fresno probably wants to pay back in this game from last year. What happened? Oh yeah. And so it's not like they put it on him, but it was like a slow burn to the fourth quarter. It's like, all right, we'll just kind of pull up a little bit. But the Blizzard, what, what, what else is left to say? They they need desperately need a quarterback. And Chavez isn't it. They dressed on – who is it? Bryson Carroll had to dress emergency quarterback? Was that That's who right. I saw on Twitter? Mm-hmm. Like quarter was he the grad – not graduate, grad coach or something? Like, all right, just in case. Yep. So that's their – like, out of all the needs they want, like, they're hoping – Terry Wilson can bridge the gap to maybe Chavez figuring things out for next year. Mm-hmm. But I doubt Wilson plays again this year because they got two games left. Like, kind of what's the point? Who knows? But they have here's what they have. They have a good running game going forward. They I think they have a couple receivers, maybe, but it's hard to tell with, with passing being poor or what it is. I think I think that they do. Yeah, I, I, I'm just saying this game doesn't show that. And they have a couple defenders as well out there. So I think you're really and I think is, you're seeing that more on the defensive side of the ball, especially because yeah, three three sacks is pretty good. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, Tavian Combs, I don't believe, started at that Lobo position, but Ronald Williams, who's, oh, by the way, he's a freshman himself. Ronald uh, Wilson? Yeah, you know, he, he you know, he had an interception last week, and he led the team with eight tackles this week. You know, so he stepped up. He had a nice game. You know, Sire Riley, who's a sophomore, had a forced fumble and a sack. You know, and so I think you're seeing other guys step up. But again, if you're, if you're a New Mexico fan, you're thinking more about the long term. And I think, yeah. you know, you've probably seen enough over the course of the season to be encouraged, but, you know, I, I think there were maybe bound to be some clunkers like this one. Yeah, it's, it is a tough one. There's not much to say here. They're three and seven, I, but I do think not, not, I'm not saying they're quarterback way by any stretch, but 
if they can develop a decent quarterback, maybe Chavez will be that, but they clearly don't have confidence in throwing the ball because they gave Dumas 23 carries. So that's a problem too. It's like, do you want a quarter? It's like the San Diego State thing we talked about where do you want, does an elite quarterback really want to go there when they're going to throw it maybe 15 times a game mm-hmm. and rely on defense running the ball? It's like, not that New Mexico's there, but if you showcasing, yeah, I want you to be a starting quarterback where we had four games where we threw fewer than 10 passes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's hard. That's hard to do. And so I'm not saying they need to air it out, but they need to be more balanced because just 38 rushing plays to eight. They had 46 plays this game. 46 plays. I think, you know, and I, I, I probably should have mentioned this at the onset, but I think, you know, the way that we've talked about these first couple of games so far is one of the narratives that I think is really defining this last month of the season is that, you know, there's some, some bad teams. <laughs> every, everybody has sort of, I think some, everybody has sort of reached their final form. And I would say, you know, the, the, the three teams that lost this weekend that we've talked about so far, Wyoming, Hawaii, and New Mexico, mm-hmm. I think what they all have in common is they have all really run up against their limitations. And, you know, to be more specific, they've all really run up against serious offensive limitations. Yeah. We'll see. All right. What's the next game? We're getting, what, what are we getting to next year? Uh, that to, would uh, be uh, the, the, the Ram Falcon trophy heading to uh, Colorado Springs once again. 35-21 Air Force over Colorado State. I have a serious question because my DMs look like this morning were kind of defending Coach Adazio a little bit. Could you sense that kind of? I was like, uh, well, a little bit. Like, are we being too harsh or not harsh enough on Steve Adazio? I mean, I guess it depends on your perspective because, you know, I think one of the, and this is something that I, I think about all the time because I think about what I said in, in the preview podcast that we did all the way back in the summer. I made, a, I made the case that if, you know, Colorado State, with with having convinced everybody to come back and give it one more go because again you know, a lot of the a lot of the talents that are standing out from week to week could have gone you know to the professional ranks in some capacity so to come back and to experience this it, for for a team that i think internally if not necessarily externally was expecting to win now and I think I know like, no, that's what I'm that's that? what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. I don't think anybody outside of that locker room was saying it, but I think internally they were thinking we've got a lot of talent coming back, especially on the defensive side of the ball. We have faith in our quarterback. We know we have at least two, you know, all conference caliber offensive weapons, and we know exactly what we want to do on offense. It's not gonna be the prettiest brand of ball, but we think we can do it and ride it to a breakthrough. And that just hasn't happened at all. It seems like, you know, whatever, I don't know if you want to call it false hope or whatever that was coming out of, you know, sort of the, the mini winning streak that they had in the middle of the season. It just seems like they're backsliding now. Here's the thing. Like our buddy, just Michael, we put on Twitter, like the press conference, it's on our, what'd you put like the 13 minute mark? He asked a question about being rivals and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then also our buddies like um, Colin and Eric and our DMs like, hey, Coach Avalos has had a great year at Boise State. Obviously, they're not doing what they typically do. They are fi- they finally snapped that winning losing streak at home. But he's always like, yeah, I got to do better. I got to get these guys better. Good coaches take responsibility, even if they're the fall guy. So it's like it's on me to get things right. Mm-hmm. I didn't hire the best coaches. Okay, you're removed. I'm hiring you, promoting you. Okay, I need to make a better decision at evaluating my talent at quarterback or whatever position is failing. Typically it's on me to make things go right. Cause I'm the coach. 
head coach, I delegate, okay, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, defense line coach. I, you're delegating, but still ultimately comes on you. He always seems to be deflecting on nearly everything because the question was basically, if I recall, what's, what do you say? What's the, not the hope, like what's there to look forward to if you're not beating rivals essential? Was that kind of the question, if I recall? I believe so, like yeah. And the first word out of his mouth, his mouth was, because there's only been one victory. I think it was last year's victory over Wildman, if I'm correct. Because <laughs> I was thinking yes. about, about um, 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 oh, crap. Mike Bobo couldn't win bowl games, couldn't beat rivals, mm-hmm. and hasn't beaten Boise State, which that's a different story. But you, Air Force and whatever. His first state words were, I wasn't here in 2016. Not, I know we need to do better. These are important games our fans and our players and myself want to win. We're just not getting the job done. His first response was, I wasn't here five years ago. I'm like, that's not the response you want. However, he is correct, and I'll defend a little bit. It's basically year and a half, one, one point, year 1.5, because last year doesn't really count <clears throat> too much. It's hard to, you know what I mean? Like, it's, he's in a tough spot a little bit where he's paid good money. He gets recommendations from Urban Meyer, which I'll get to that in a second about something else. In this game, whatever, Air Force One, they're up big in the first quarter. That's all that matters. Career-long, program-long touchdown pass by Hazid Daniels. 21 points. Rams couldn't come back. I don't care the rest about the game. But for this point, like – you should beat South Dakota State. You should beat Vanderbilt. Playing Iowa, tough. That's nice and all. But the problem is, is that any old coach could have won those games. He literally, he's, he's not wrong. They could have six or seven wins. A good coach, as I mentioned, wouldn't. They would have a the, the field goal debacle against Utah State. They would have somebody in the sideline, him or somebody else, saying go or don't go. They, they had no signal for that. And so they blow it on a game. Game winner were a field goal. They probably wouldn't make. But him deflecting every chance he gets saying it's not me it's not me it's not me is a bigger issue like he's going to make it through this year he's not, he'll probably be here another couple of years i'm guessing rams don't have the money joe parker's a, like fundraisers well for the stadium and everything and they have money booked up or not booked up but set aside just in case they can't make payments and for buyouts whatnot but like he made a good hire nico medved basketball coach doing good things he got rid of Larry Stacey, who needed who needed to be gone for all his off the court issues of braiding players, and other things. But fair, not fair, Charles. Soon that's two coaches ago. But Dazio seems to be like it's it's not me. But he like am I wrong? Like he's deflecting any chance he doesn't take any responsibility. Like they should be bowl eligible with three games on their schedule. They should have won. Or two, yeah. um, right? I mean, yeah. Um... I mean, to, to, like from, a- my, from my part, I'm always more concerned with just what do I see on the field? And you know what I saw on the field in this game? Like, like dog, your defense got its ass kicked. Yeah, they were. <laughs> like, you, you know, anytime you're giving up not one, but 200 yard runners to Air Force, um, things are not going well for you. And, and oh, by the way, as a team, the Falcons managed to average 5.8 yards per carry on the ground. So even though, as you mentioned a couple minutes ago, even though Daniels did have that record-setting pass, you know, I think that was maybe more the exception than the rule. He was only four of 11. He did have an interception. And I think that's sort of indicative of the fact that, you know, Colorado State didn't necessarily play a bad game in a lot of respects, but they were really up against it in a couple of key areas. Like one, the defense, like, like I just said, got dominated and two kind of like last week in the in the in the border war loss i don't necessarily think that the offense played a bad game overall but one to both the todd sale todd interceptions were were brutal 
<laughs> I think the first one was tipped and it, and it looked like not at first hand that it was just throwing it straight to an Air Force defender. But the other one, I believe it was the Trey Taylor interception. He probably just should not have thrown those that football. And yeah, all the one where he's like leaning to the side and throws it or something. Yeah, but I mean, when you look at you know other moments in the game, which may not be you know as grabby on the highlight reel, you know, yeah, they went up fourteen to nothing in the first quarter, but Centeno worked his ass off to get the Rams back into you know back to a one score game late in the first quarter. You know, had the fifteen yard touchdown run that I think was sort of indicative of you know their ability to bounce back. You know, he found Trey McBride for a thirty one yard play on that drive, scrambled a couple times. You know, it really did it all to try and claw their way back. But then, you know, that then boom, one, you know, three plays later, first and 27, mind you, because Air Force is moving backwards on that following drive. They had a personal foul penalty and then they had a, you know, a false start. So first and 27 at their own eight yard line to set up that 92 yard touchdown pass. All of a sudden it's 21 17. And again, you know, they find a way to claw their way back. You know, they had a massive field position advantage all throughout this game you know their average drive started at their own 34 yard line by contrast air force started its own drives on at their own 25 so they, they basically had average starting field position yeah the the falcons did you know ryan stonehouse did his job you know flipped the field on a couple of other occasions you know they got it to 21 14 before halftime but then again coming out of halftime air force gets the ball first they run the ball straight down Colorado yep. State's throat, mm-hmm. you know, 75 yard scoring drive. And then, but even then they found a way to answer one more time, you know, it was 28 to 21 heading into, you know, with, with five, six minutes left in the third quarter, they just, you know, the defense, by the time the, de- by the time the defense started making stops, the offense lost whatever traction it was gaining. And, and it wasn't much because they couldn't run the ball very well. Like the it's, like to me, like, you know, they weren't getting, it wasn't an abysmal performance. Like they weren't getting blown out, you know, in terms of like, you know, EPA overall, right. You know, they actually accrued more expected points added than Utah state did, which we'll talk about in a minute. The only team, you know, there were only two teams I think that had more EPA earned than the Rams did this weekend. Um, it's just, you know, one of them was Fresno state, which we talked about a minute ago, probably not as chalk. Um, but the bigger problem was that the other team is Air Force. You know, Air, the Falcons had twice as many explosive plays despite the field position disadvantage. They converted yeah. more of their third downs. They were just they they were just better on offense because the Rams could not stop them. And to me, it's that was really anything. where you know between the turnovers and the, and the defensive performance, that was really you know more or less the game right there. So. Can I go back to the coaching stuff? Because that's what I'm really interested about. Okay. <laughs> so, who – because it's – well, actually, no, before we get to that, we mentioned you and OV how they've been improving and getting better, essentially, right, mm-hmm. a little bit? Yeah. Rams have gone up and down. They've had a couple of good, decent games, but they're, blow, they're blowing leads or they have bad – the problem is they're not consistent bad quarters. Like the first and third quarter in this game were not good. That's all Air Force needed. All 35 of their points came in those two quarters. Mm-hmm. They got beat on a 90-something yard passing play. We see all the rushing yards they had in this game with he, freaking who's DeAndre Hughes? He's barely showed up all year in the quitting of this game. You know what I mean? 100-something yards. <laughs> like they, Brad Roberts, all these guys. Like his Zeke Daniels didn't even need to run the ball very much to win this game. Mm-hmm. So they've been not consistent to be nice. But it all comes back to like who do they trust to brought the coach? Because Urban Meyer was part of the coaching search essentially. But And you put a point on Twitter like – 
the only the only one year he was really good was at Temple when he had in somebody else's players. I don't think that was my point. I think that was someone else's point. But I I saw that, yeah. But two years at Temple, and he wasn't great at BC. He had, like, was it AJ AJ Dillon? Is that who it was? He was a Heisman finalist. He couldn't come back to practice. I believe it was Andre Williams. Andre Williams, sorry, not AJ Dillon. Did AJ Dillon go to BC as well? He did. Okay, okay, whatever. But they had good running backs, which is why you think he'd do a good job. Like, he tried to get a guy cut from the Falcons. Like, who is this guy? And if you look at who Urban Meyer, because he was here at Utah a long time ago. Look at the coaches who have been head coaches after him or recommendations or who's coached with. You have Mike Sanford, who's done nothing. He was fared, failed miserably at UNLV. Is he still at Montana State or Montana, one of the FCS schools? Uh, I, don't I don't remember exactly. I know but Bobby Houck he, is the head coach at Montana and Brent, Brent Vigan, who uh, from a former Wyoming OC, is at Montana State. I'm not sure where Sanford is off my head. So he's had coaches who have got like either players or coaches to go do things. I don't look at Mike Sanford. Um, Mexican for junior. He's um, he's at Minnesota doing something, whatever. But it doesn't matter. L- lose, he's, losing he's, to Bowling Green is what he's doing out there. But yeah, exactly. Not not playing well. He's always he was at Notre Dame somehow. Failed at Western Kentucky. Or no, that's a different one. I'm thinking of somebody else. I, is that the right? Maybe thinking Sanford? of Mark Sanford Jr. Yeah, Mike Sanford Jr. Was he the one who was the UNLV's head coach? Right. I I honestly don't remember off the top of my head. I, I got to double check. Um, I must. Okay, I'm thinking of somebody else. I'll need to find who it is because he was a guy. No, he's somebody different. Oh, who the heck was it then? I, I apologize for brutally missing my point here, but I'll check out right now. It was on Utah staff in 04. But Dan Mullen's not doing too many great things in Florida. He was pretty good at Mississippi State. Coaches, he's been a part of, like, you can't say Kyle Woodenham because he was kept on staff when he's Utah. He had – it's it just seems like maybe my point's being lost because I didn't do enough research beforehand. But regardless, you bring in a guy who's failing in the NFL who had to quit two jobs because – of. I'll say it, a fake heart condition, possibly. And then you are uh, state all the issues with Zach Smith and everything. I don't trust that guy's judgment, but it was he like coaches who's been around him haven't been doing all that great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It was Mike Sanford. Oh, I think it's Samford. This is with the end, Mike Sanford. Apologies. Not Mike Sanford. So that's hmm. that's why I got they mixed up. Okay. Does that make sense now? It does. But you know, I'm probably you know, you, you and be head coach. Yeah. Like he left Utah to do that. He, was um, I'm glad he didn't get the head coach of job at Utah. You have Dan Mullen, who's QB coach with Alex Smith. You've had multiple guys he's been around. I don't know, like other people he's been with that gone on to other big coaches, but the coaches I'm thinking about, they haven't gone on to do great. So why is his judgment so good? Just because he wanted all his places, which should be respected, but there were other guys, like they wanted to get um, the Ohio State, um, who's the Ohio State OC? The former, he played it, um, I wish I had all these in front of me, but there's other coaches people wanted instead. Mm-hmm. Or running backs coach at Ohio State, whatever it may have been. But there's other guys they wanted over Steve Adazio, but oh, Urban Meyer, he's our wide receivers coach with Sonny Lubick. It's like, I'd rather talk to Sonny Lubick instead, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Instead of going to um, Urban Meyer, who, why was he even involved? Like, did they pay him or something? Like, why was he involved in the coaching search in the first place, right? That's a good question. Like, um, yes, yeah, Tony Alford, yeah, the running backs coach at Ohio State, which would have been a better hire. Like, it's it's the things where if you're a coach, you want to be in charge and he's not, it goes back and we'll finish up with this on this part, but responsibility is not there. Like, yeah, I mean, the, the big problem is like, you know, the story of the season has been, if it's not one thing, it's another. And he doesn't say, I need to fix this. It's like, well, this is happening, but whatever. He's not taking charge and saying it's on me. Well, and if you want to take the optimist's case, like, you know, you can point to the fact that progress isn't always linear. You know, we talked about it with you and LV a few minutes ago about how 
you know, maybe their, their close game luck is just kind of flipping a little bit from where it was a month ago. And, and maybe Colorado State's in the same kind of situation, but it, it, it is different from the Rebels in the fact that their expectations for this year were much higher. And so my, my, my expectations were not good. I need to, that's what I'm saying. For, like I said, internally, I think their expectations were much higher. What were your expectations? Was it a bull? I think you were higher than me, like six and six, maybe. Right. Yeah. I had them as a 500 team. I thought they would go bowling. But again, if it hasn't been one thing for this Rams team this year, it's been another, and that's been the story of the entire season. So what is like, what, what do they do? Well, Trey McBride. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I know you're being, I know you're saying that in jest, but you know, he's, he's, he's going to play in Sunday on Sundays next year. He might be the first tight end taken. My pre- official prediction prediction was three and nine. Mm-hmm. Well, <laughs> and I mean, they're, they're still on track. Heck yeah. However, I did have wins over Vanderbilt and South Dakota state. <laughs> so, so, so you're <laughs> right for the wrong reasons is what you're saying overall. It's, Todd Sintel was showing a little bit during the winning streak. They David Bailey didn't run two yards of carry. It's like, I know Air Force defense is good, but man, like, I don't, I don't get it. like the coaching stuff is that's where my big thing is at where he's not a great coach. Like the record on, okay. If we think about it, the record isn't all that bad. Like if you're a team for, let me rephrase the new coach last year was a mess because there's all the allegations about, if they're treating players right during COVID protocol, the racist stuff too, alleged stuff like, oh, is there improprieties or people not being nice to each other? They have one win. And probably would have been two because the Utah State game at the end of the year that they quit on. So who knows? So they have the one win last year. They went three or four games this year. That is an improvement technically, but Adaz is a decent sized name. And he brought it like, we're going to do great. I like, wh- who thought, like you mentioned, expectations within. Who the heck was spouting this team like to go eight and four or something? Like who who inside the program said we're going to be a great team? Coaches always say they're going to be a great team. Who I didn't believe it. You six and six a little, but there were but you could see parts of where they could be good. Like we all knew the defense would be good. Like with Scott Patch and other players, we knew they had two good pass catchers on the team. It's like if they can find a decent running game, Matanza Teo has a full year to practice. Oh, I could see them beating UNLV, New Mexico. We thought they beat Utah State They before Utah State was good. We could see wins on the schedule. But, like, who was saying they were going to be this team that would be seven or eight wins? Did, I don't, who believe, I'm just saying, like, I, I didn't buy it. Who's buying? Who's falling for this crap? Joe Parker? <laughs> yeah, uh, apparently. apparently. I'm just saying, like, it, because here's the thing, like, the, the firing part of people, let's get rid of them. It's like, they're not going to because they can't afford to do it. But – is it that bad? Where that? Why is that conversation even coming up? Because it has to be somewhere. Where expectations were nowhere to be found for them to be a really good team. So the fan base is upset over something they really, not they can't be upset for losing, but they're upset for somebody feeding them or somehow believing they would be a good team. I just yeah, don't know where that I came mean, from. I mean, like, <laughs> yeah, you, where Utah, they, Utah State dumped Gary Anderson with the quickness as soon as they could. Yeah. I think if they had the financial wherewithal, that Colorado State would probably do the same thing. Well, but Gary Anderson also stepped did a pull to Oregon State where I'm not taking money. But they're not going to do it. They can't do it. They can't. I just the season's not going well. But I I, just, I still want to go back. I maybe talk. Maybe we need to bring on this is mm-hmm. off season show. Like bring on Justin Michaels. Like who was saying this team was going to be good? 
I don't. I mean, they. I, I mean, they. I don't think they're a bad team in the traditional sense, but I think that maybe you know we just talked about it with Hawaii. There's maybe no team in the conference that has been more frustrating than Colorado State this year. Like they should be. Honestly, they should have six wins. The Dodgers not wrong with that, but I don't know. We can move on. They're just kind of back in circles. But head coach be in charge and take responsibility, and he's not taking any of it. It's always not him. Preach. We're going to study film. Everybody studies film, buddy. We're going to work hard. Everybody works hard. You need to, oh, here's the one thing. We're not going to run gimmick or weird plays. I'm like, we're not saying to run the triple option or run some crazy 20, you know I mean like 10 trick plays, halfbacks, end arounds, reverses, flea flickers, but mix in some misdirection plays. Like you have a guy who, Todd Tay, who can run reasonably well. Like he had four and a half yards of carrying a touchdown. He branched many times at 12 and led the team rushing, which is not ideal. But we said before, do bootlegs, do pulls, do something to move the pocket. That's not a gimmick or trick play. That's a play to make your offense look different. You can have the same formation, run like five different plays. They're not really wanting to do that. And that's lack of creativity. And you don't need to be super duper creative and do all these different things. But mix in something that looks different than what you normally do occasionally. So when you set up that formation, it makes the defense or opposing team think, hey, maybe they'll run this one play where when this guy went in motion, they tossed it to him and it was like an end around pass back to the quarterback. They do it twice all year, but it's out there. Then they could fake it. Then you can run your exact same formation, but the play you want, like a draw, a dive play up the middle or off tackle, but you have Dante Wright coming in motion behind him where they may fake the toss and do a handoff. It's like, those aren't gimmicky plays. Those are things smart coordinators do to, you show a couple times, you use the same formation, you put guys in motion, it looks similar. It makes teams think, and they're not being, they're not doing anything like that. He's like, we're going to run the ball. Well, it's not working, buddy. So think of something else. You can't keep, you can't keep pounding the rock, the round rock in the square hole and hope it fits. You might get a few pieces in there because it breaks apart, but you're not getting the whole thing in there and it's not going to work. <sighs> Jeez. What's you know what, you know, you know, it is working though. What is working? Utah state 48, San Jose state 17. So Matt, do I need to find a bad thing to say about the Aggies? Cause apparently we're supposed to. <laughs> Well, you know, <laughs> again, you know, I, I, I mean, I, make, I, I think I'm mostly making this, this slow start thing in jest at this point. But then, you know, you sort of realize, you know, it's, it's one thing, you know, to lose the, you know, maybe you lose the first quarter. It takes you a little while to kind of work off the rust or whatever. But then as long as you're winning the last three quarters, I don't think it's going to matter that much. And, and boy, did they ever. Yeah, like they they were good. Like, yeah, who could, you're down 7-0. Nick Sarko came in, didn't play extremely well. Like the first quarter, like they – and the points wasn't Nick Circle, it was a pick six. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't like the offense like was doing anything against because Nick Starkle didn't play very well. They had the turnover on downs where they went from fourth and five deep in Utah State territory, which is the right move to do. But Utah State has a pick six, which isn't good. But it's yeah, not, like, and, the and they also gave up two sacks in that first quarter, too, mm-hmm. which you know made, yeah. sort of made you think, oh boy, you know, is San Jose State you know on its game? You know, because the San Jose State's defense again. You know they they showed up pretty well in that early going. You know I think yeah, it was fumble. Well, the next possession fumble to a touchdown as well. So they're fourteen zero. So there's a little concern, like oh, what's like oh, this is Spartans defense we know is good. Yeah, they score fourteen points early on, but that was it. Like yeah, it was that it was else. that star power that was really showing up for the Spartans early on. You know, it was Billy Ami Pahoko forcing the fumble, Kate Hall recovering it, mm-hmm. and so you started looking. I was like, okay, well, you know, how is Utah State going to figure it out this time? Uh, and the answer was okay. Well, we're just gonna, we're just gonna, you know, rely on the passing game, and it's gonna be fine. 
Well, <laughs> the, like the second quarter was amazing for Utah State. Like 24 points. Like I was watching this game. I was kind of in and out watching. Like, okay, it's 14-0. Like, oh, shoot, what's going on? Then this, they come back there. 24-14 halftime. They're up 31. Okay, this is completely over. But like Utah State, like they ran the ball okay. The main thing was still Devin, Devin Tompkins. You know what I mean? He had, I, had I no think this steps. this game was more a story of the fact that you know we we, we talked about you know what you know, what is what are they going to be able to do against the San Jose Spartans secondary is not you know they're not a pushover and to me it was really more of the story like obviously Devin Tompkins had you know his five carries and five yeah. catches excuse me 127 yards and but to me like the bigger question or the bigger answer was the fact that the secondary pieces stepped up you know save on square touched the ball exactly once on offense but it was a two-yard you know touchdown shovel pass or whatever you want to call it on a very nicely designed you know red zone goal line kind of play you know Derek Wright had two touchdowns on three catches and you know maybe should have had a third on a catch that you know he was he fell out of bounds but I sort of made the joke on Twitter that it should have counted because it looked cool you know, he, he stepped up, had another really solid kind of underrated game. Justin McGriff had a couple of nice catches. Brandon Bowling had a touchdown catch. So to me, it was the fact that they were able to spread the ball around that more or less made the difference as this game went on. Yeah. The Spartan, like I felt with Nick Sharko back, no, they got a chance. Nope. Yeah. And then, and then <laughs> once, once the offensive Running line game, sort nope. of figured things out and, and they did it. Utah State did even while sort of getting nicked up again on the offensive line. You know, Jacob South went down with what looked like a pretty serious injury. Mm-hmm. So you know they've really battled on that front to sort of you know make it work. You know they've they've replaced at least one guy on the offensive line. I think they were starting a couple of new guys. Quasal White started. Uh, you know, um, it, it just you know they've sort of figured things out on that side of the ball. And to me, the bigger story though was the fact that they again put together a really strong defensive performance because you know san jose states you know they've had their ups and downs this year but i think everybody would have expected that they would you know rack up more than 150 yards of total offense yeah 2.8 yards per play running the biggest thing here was okay the passing game wasn't great rushing game was abysmal 0.5 yards per attempt Includes sack yardage. Yeah, even if you adjust for sack yardage, 2.1 yards per carry for the Spartans. Tyler Nevins had – he basically had a Jerome Bettis stat line, 10, yard, 10 carries, 12 yards, one touchdown, mm-hmm. with a long of 19. <laughs> yeah, and the vast majority of San Jose's yardage was wrapped up in a handful of big plays they were able to generate. So, like, they had a lot of success with short passing. It just didn't add up to nearly as much as it needed to to keep up with the Aggies. They weren't even close, man. They got blown out 48-17. That's what I'm saying. Defense, yeah, the defense helped them out, which is good to get those first two touchdowns. But Utah State, like, okay, here, a couple – the only thing I will say that's not great about Utah State, and this is more of San, San Jose State being pretty good, the running game wasn't ideal. Calvin Tyler has kind of dropped off big time from when he's leading the conference in rushing. Elia Noah did okay, did pretty well, 41 yards of 10 carries. They didn't need it, but that's if I'm going to nitpick, that's like one area where they could – they need to do better if they're going to – they're in first place. They're gonna if we have a San Diego State Utah State championship game, which seems likely. I, I don't know if I want to. I don't know how close the game would be, and I'm talking about San Diego State winning. I don't know. I don't because if here's the thing: like if San Diego, if Utah State can't run the ball, 
which they didn't run it very well. They ran okay, not great, but three point one yards per carry, not good. Do you see Devin Tompkins going up against a secondary and going doing what he did this game five for one twenty seven? I mean, I know, we're, we're we're going to talk about San Diego State in just a minute. I'm not going to I'm not going to eliminate that possibility. I'm just saying, like, but I'll, but I'm gonna this, but I'm gonna wait to talk more about that. This is a year, or maybe I'll write about because I've been lacking a writing a bit this year, which whatever. But I kind of would rather have no division this year. I, wouldn't you want to see? We'll get to it in a second. Wouldn't you rather see a either a, a rematch of Aztecs and Wolfpack for a title? Oh boy, Aztecs Fresno, right? Come on. Utah State may do it. This may be my my down on Utah State, but they crushed San Jose State. Is not very good. Utah State probably can move the ball and do well, but I just I get a feeling maybe do you feel the same way their team that's winning, but I'm just not impressed by them winning because they they escape versus Colorado State. I mentioned this last week. They escape versus UNLV. They they crush Hawaii, who they should crush. They, here's the, they're beating the team they should beat pretty good. The only game I'm really impressed with is the Air Force game and to come back from Washington State. Like impressed by teams that are pretty good, like beating Hawaii by twenty points. I'm not downplaying; that's really good. So but you're you're getting into a conversation about like hard. you know the strength of schedule. I think is sort a of what bit. you're talking about. You well, can only but, play you can only play the teams that are dealt to you. And yeah, you this, you, is, I, you, this is this is a wait, you beat you and LV by four points. Come on. Okay, so that's not strength of schedule. That's just you should you should beat them by twenty points plus Hawaii by twenty. Points. So this is a conversation that I think I've had primarily with Boise State fans on Twitter in recent weeks, where you know Boise State fans are claiming, well, okay, they played a tougher schedule overall, which yeah, that's that's probably true. Oh, I had that but, too but with if, one guy if, yesterday. But I, and I haven't mentioned it on Twitter, but like at some point, like if Boise State had been better earlier in the year, wouldn't they have won one or two more of those games? Yeah, as, and the guy got. As, yeah, opposed to, like, as opposed to ending up really unlucky in close game situations, but you know, and but you know, conversely, you know, Utah State, yeah, they haven't had the toughest schedule in the conference. But here's the thing, you know, whatever close game luck they were benefiting from earlier in the year, this is now three straight weeks that they've done exactly what you would expect of a team on the rise like Utah State. It's the third straight week that they've won a game by at least twenty points. It is, and I should be, I should not be downplaying any of this. It's I don't know what I don't know why I'm feeling this way because the past three games are crushing everybody. They're beating the teams. Maybe here's the thing: they're turning the corner. They're getting the wins they should get. And I'm not trying. Okay. Like, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put the number two in my power pole this week, just as you behind San Diego State. So I'm not saying they're a bad team. It's just I don't like, know why. Like, my... on, okay, so on a per play basis, it wasn't necessarily like the flashiest overall performance that we've seen out of this Aggies offense this year, which is a strange thing to say considering that like Tompkins went over 100 yards again and stuff like that. But, you know, they, so they only average 5.1 yards per play. You know, fine, but not necessarily like elite in the way that they had been in recent weeks. But again, the defense stepped up big time. Limited what had been, you know, if not necessarily like the best offense in the Mountain West, they weren't a bad offense. And that, you know, two sacks, eight TFLs for 50 total yards lost. Like that's a big win right there that we weren't necessarily getting from this defense earlier in the year. They were nearly 50% on third down situations they they just they they were doing a lot more things well than they were earlier in the year where it seemed like you know the the defense was playing catch up to the offense for for long long stretches you know special teams had a solid game you know you know connor coles missed you know made two or three field goals I just think like, you know, yeah, you can grade on a curve if you want to, but I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you don't really, you know, see that, 
you know, yeah, they're playing maybe slightly weaker competition on average, but they're now they're dominating that weaker competition. I, I, yeah, maybe I need to just be more faithful in them because like Devin Tompkins is could be like is he okay. Who's the off, who's the player of the interconference? Can we go can we say it's Devin Tompkins possibly? I think we had this discussion last week, and my answer I know, was yes. But I, I know I just want to bring up the game because not everybody listens every week. If we're gonna go through a few, because it's not gonna be Logan Bonner, the options are what do we got? I should pull up the numbers here, but obviously Devin Tompkins, because a wide receiver, if I'm correct, I mentioned before, and I think I looked it up. The only offensive player of the year was Steve Smith in Utah back in '99. Now I'm pretty sure, or it depends how you would consider Chad Hall of Air Force years ago, mm-hmm. but he was. It's a weird position. He's not real. He was technically a wide receiver, but kind of ran the ball a lot. Those end round plays, but when you're looking at like running back, it's I'm not going to say Charles Williams. I'm not going to say like maybe Brad Roberts. I think it really gets into a conversation about like how much do you value counting stats versus how much do you value the impact that the that the the production has meant to the individual team. I will say there's four, four players. August Carson Strong, Jay Kaner, Brad Roberts, and Devin Tompkins. I mean, I would probably throw Williams in there too, but I think, like, again, if you, you were asking me bit. right now who's the offensive player of the year, it's Tompkins. Okay, that's fair. Because for a moment, I thought it could be the running back when he's leading the league in rushing. Mm-hmm. So um, I need to get I need to get squarely on the Aggies playing well and doing well, which I'm not complaining about the win. I don't know what I'm complaining about, honestly. Maybe I'm just complaining to complain. I don't know. What well, and, and and I think, you know, to, to your point and sort of to, to emphasize the point that I think I'm trying to make, you know, one of the things that has come up uh, when I'm posting the, uh, the, the SP plus rankings week after week, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of Utah state fans are pointing out, well, why are they lagging so much? Why are they lagging so much? And I think a lot of that had to do with you know, sort of being weighed down by preseason expectations and being, you know, the defense again, like, like we just mentioned, was wasn't necessarily as complete as the offense looked most weeks, but now you know now all of a sudden like they're 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 only 89th, which doesn't sound like much, but again I think it's because SP Plus is starting to catch up with the level of performance that the Aggies have put together over the last few weeks. Yeah, like they're crushing everybody. So I should be yes, they're playing well. They're doing these great things. I don't care who they're playing. They're winning by 40 points. Like you can you can only play the teams that are in front of you. But they're 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 again they're winning more convincingly. They look like a title contender. They are. I need to. I'm on board. I I honestly. I maybe I'm complaining to complain. Maybe that's all my. It's weird. I don't like. If you if you hear me talking about, it, I I noticed Logan Bonner's playing better. They're sticking to one quarterback. Running game's the only concern I have. But we've seen what Tyler and Noah can do. Like those guys combined, 31 for 102 and two touchdowns. That's that's good enough. It's not great, but it's good enough. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And the, obviously Devin Tompkins, you have like all these other guys, McGriff out there, Derek, right. Catching passes. Savon Scarver is doing a little bit. He had the a short touchdown pass reception. I should say they've just nice on defense. They have all these guys. They have AJ Vonk, Japan. They have all these guys getting sacks. TFL, Philippea getting a sack at, or TFL and a half. They'd ate this game. And so honestly, if you're going to talk about, it, I'm like, I don't know what it is. It's just me probably being stupid and not paying attention, which I see what they're doing. I, it's they're they're that's why they're gonna be number two. I'm putting them on number two. You have a number two, but when I see them playing, I get who they play, who they play. But when I see them thinking about them versus San Diego State, they're not, which isn't fair because anybody who plays San Diego State when we get to Nevada, who's a good offense, isn't gonna is gonna have a tough time cracking 20 points. Well, we'll talk about San Diego State in a moment because that's the last game we got to talk about. Well, let's just get to it because I'm just, I'm, I think I'm being overly critical when there's no 
real criticism criticism to have essentially fascinating I, game to watch though first quarter man what happened there no points yeah. essentially <laughs> watch that then i in the first quarter like starting there it was freaking well don peterson doing stupid things on the field goal attempt like you saw the the they the call the defensive holding you remember that play yes it's like okay that didn't go well for them but that that no sorry it wasn't zero zero that was the touchdown they had in the first quarter apologies you got the one mm-hmm. pass play after that but first quarter they couldn't is it's my fear of the whole game nevada or for, or for nevada fan not my particular fear and oh, by the way 23 21 standing or state to win but toa tower couldn't run the ball greg bell was going untouched huge plays and that was where but here's the thing nevada's defense was doing well enough to in that first quarter at least even the first half is only 10 to 7 like they were doing doing well enough to s- slow down for the most part when they needed to the San Diego State offense because they forced a couple punts. They had the missed field goal at the end of the half as well, which was that that long one that he missed, Matariza? Uh, yes, so, it was a yeah, fifty-five was a, yarder. Yeah, super long land or yeah or sixty-five yarder. Sorry, sixty-five, not fifty-five. Oh, was it? Wait, 50, was it wait, wait. Okay, here's the thing. I'm on. I say it every get off ESPN's box score. Box score. You got to get on it's, the stat broadcast, man. I used that broadcast for work. I was watching Utah game this weekend when the whew, Arizona game, not a good one to watch. The ball is at the 38 yard line. That's a 55 yard field goal. So mm-hmm. it was still, regardless, it's long. But like Nevada's defense wasn't bad in the first half. Like they were doing good enough things. Like they're forcing punts. They're forcing five, six plays. A couple. The touchdown sucks because that really. It's one play. It doesn't change the whole game, but the defensive holding rarely called, but Don Peterson can't just pull the guy down with both hands. Mm-hmm. It's like, that's kind of a bonehead penalty there. Yeah. I mean, that, that was tough. That was tough to watch. Both of these teams were about as evenly matched as you would have expected them to be. They, yeah, they did well, what I thought they do well. And then they didn't do well where I thought they wouldn't do well. Like Lucas Johnson threw, he throws 34 times. <laughs> he, I would, if you give me this box score and say, hey, Lucas Johnson played a football game, San Diego State, he was 21 to 34, 176 yards a touchdown. I'd be like, oh, that's that's a lot of throws. The yardage there isn't great for the amount of attempts, but I'd say that probably was a loss because of how many times he had to throw. Not the case. Which, that's good. That's because the Aztecs offensive line played a great game. Yeah, it did. But I'm just saying, like, if you if you were to tell me that you dropped me out of the sky, I'm like, hey, you know, you, you know, San Diego, State, San Diego State football, that they run the ball well, quarterback plays iffy. And you see this stat line, like, well, that's a good percentage, not a ton of yards, no mistakes. You probably think there was some trouble throwing 34 times. Mm-hmm. But they're pretty evenly running the ball, passing the ball um, percentage-wise. But sorry, go ahead with your thought because I kind of took over there. I mean, it's just, you know, it was sort of a fascinating game to watch because, you know, Nevada was really up against it for, you know, I would say most of the evening. You know, they, they lost the field position battle. And I think a lot of that, obviously, as you might expect, has to do with Matt Ariza, you know, booming 50-yard punts like they're going out of style. Um, but, you know, you look at the, the five punts that he actually, like, landed, and you see that, you know, every time San Diego State punted, Nevada was basically at a disadvantage in terms of field position. Um, you know, they started at their own 28 after the, you know, the first punt, but then the, then the last four were at their own 20, their own 20, their own 18, their own 20. And it wasn't like the Aztecs had like a substantial field position advantage in this game, but they definitely frustrated the 
Wolfpack in a way that, you know, not a lot of defense has been able to do, which sounds strange to say, considering that Carson Strong threw the ball 48 times and had 350 yards and three touchdowns. Mm -hmm. But this is like the second or third time this year where we've seen the Wolfpack in a position where they are relying on their quarterback to do everything. And it hasn't worked out. You know, we saw it against Kansas state. We -hmm. saw it against Fresno state. And so, you know, it, it, it sort of reveals like, you know, the fact that he was able to do all that and the Wolfpack lost by two. With no running game, essentially. I know he sacked, what, five, four times? I believe he was only, yeah, three times. Three times, yeah. Cameron Thomas had had another amazing game. You know, two sacks, three TFLs, and a forced fumble. Potential. Did he win defensive player of the year this game, maybe? I mean, I think it's still a conversation, but he's definitely, you know, among the the handful of runners. Top three, top four, easily. But, but, you know, they were making him work for every yard that they needed to get. And he, they almost won the game anyway. And so I think two things can be equally true. Yeah, as we talked about, you know, earlier with, you know, a lot of these other games, the other, especially with the teams that lost, Nevada could be lumped into those teams where they ran up against their limitations. At the same time, you know, going back to what you said a minute ago about Utah State, you know, and against this San Diego State defense, this is now two times in three weeks that we've seen a very good quarterback be able to, you know, you know, get at least something done against the secondary. You know, both Jake Hayner and Strong had over 300 yards passing against SASEC secondary. They're the only two teams that averaged seven yards per attempt. And maybe more importantly, you know, four combined touchdowns, zero combined interceptions. And so, you know, going back to what you were posing sort of hypothetically a minute ago, is it, could Utah State, you know, move the ball against this San Diego State defense? I think the answer is maybe. If Romeo Dubs keep... had 127 yards in the air. And, and that's guess. exactly my point, because you were saying, <laughs> is Devin Tompkins going to be able to do against what he did again? And, and Dubs did it again. You know, he did it last year, matched up by and large with Darren Hall, and yeah. he did it again this year. And I just I bring the question because people want to know, and it's not a not a foregone conclusion. And and so I'm I think there there's there's a realm of possibility where you know the Aztecs defense is is able to reinsert itself, you know, take advantage of a banged up Utah State offensive line or something like that, because they had the upper hand against this Nevada offensive line too. You know, they shut down the running game and they made Carson Strong work. 350 yards. He's look at this stat line to me. Like Logan Bonner is not Carson Strong. 34-48, three, 350, three TDs, and no interceptions. Mm-hmm. Like, Nevada is similar to Utah State in that they have a running game that's hit or miss. They have an, a good quarterback. Obviously, Nevada is a better quarterback. Like, I would – I don't know. Romeo Dubs and Devin Tompkins, uh, based on numbers, I would say Tompkins this year, but Dubs maybe overall because it's been two years in the making. He's been playing this well. But they're both almost equal footed. Here's, you know what I mean? here's like, the biggest difference in this game to me, though. When you look at the field position rate, you know, I talked about how in terms of like starting field position, San Diego State had like a modest advantage. So in terms of field position rate, which is the definite, which is defined as the percentage of plays run from the opponent's side of the field. San mm-hmm. Diego State ran 48% of its plays on Nevada's side of the field. Conversely, Nevada ran just 21% of its plays in San Diego State's side of the field. To me, that's the game right there. Hmm. Because, you know, again, they weren't that far away from winning the game, but that's because Romeo Dubs, you know, secured the lead with 10 minutes to go on a 54-yard passing play. Yeah, 20 to 14, right? You know, you look at... 20, sorry. 
you know, you look at the other drives around that, you know, the drive before three plays, three and out. Minus two yards. And the drive after that was, you know, six plays, six plays, eight Eight. yards before Mm -hmm. punting it away. So it's, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, the the Aztecs gave as good as they got in this game. You know, Carson Strong almost, almost won the game for them. But, you know, down the stretch, the Aztecs defense made plays where it counted. Yeah, they did those, those couple of drives. And that last drive for San Diego State, it was a 53 yards, 12 plays. Like they, that's problem too. Like we talk about field position, like you mentioned, they don't, like this is where like Ryan Stonehouse, Matarize, all these punters um, can kick it downfield. Utah State, or not, sorry, Nevada kicked the ball, punted the ball. Utah, why is it Utah State? Sorry, San Diego State got the ball at their own 32 yard line. So like it was a de- decent kick. Like it wasn't, like there was a boom down there, but like if you have a guy who's I don't know, that's it's a good kick, but they still went. They didn't need to go. It wasn't a touchback. It wasn't inside the ten. You kicked it well, but they still had seventy yards to go, and I don't know. They just moved down and they let Arise get the game winner. But like fourth and four, they get the first down. Like Nevada's defense, that first I call, they're going to get this. It's fourth and four. There's no way they're going to get it. The pass to Jesse Matthews first down. They completed the another. They had another third down, fourth down, but they couldn't. It's oh man, it's just. I saw, I saw someone ask why the Wolves. I was frustrated weren't. by that because Nevada had not that I cared Nevada to win or not, but I'm like you had chances and credit to Utah. Or to, why do I keep saying Utah State? I don't know why. San Diego State. We were talking to Aggies for so long. Get frustrated where if you're a Nevada fan, where okay, I'm gonna yeah, Aztecs, you passed, you beat me, that's fine. Well, okay, I saw I saw someone mention. I can't it. remember who it was, but somebody was asking on that fourth and fourth, and and I think it's the same one that they were talking about. Why are you not pressing the line for Nevada? For Nevada, yeah, on defense. Yeah, uh, uh, fourth and four. Because they, they played, they played like five, six yards off off coverage. Stupid. Yeah. Why are you have your safety maybe ten yards deep at most? You know what I mean? I mean, it, it, you know, and, and I think you know those you know those sort of handful of plays, which considering that neither team did particularly well on third downs in this game. You know, San Diego State was only three of 15. Nevada was only four of 13. But it's those opportunities where when they had a chance to move the chains, San Diego State did it just a little more often than they did. You know, and I think, you know, that fourth and four is a big one. You know, I look at, you know, the power rushing difference between these two teams in this game. Nevada was 0 for 1 on rushes with two or fewer yards to go that, you know, converted for a first down or a touchdown. San Diego State, 7 of 8. With when yeah. when you're running that kind of offense, that's exactly what you want to do. And you know, when you're looking at a lot of other measures that look eerily similar to one another, you know, I, we talked about success rates earlier. Not a lot of difference in terms of like that on both sides. You know, in terms of offensive success rate, Nevada was actually slightly better than the Aztecs, thirty-seven percent, thirty-six percent. You know, in terms of EPA, you know, it definitely suggested more of a defensive fist fight. Oh, well, totally, yeah. But again. You know, San Diego big State, too. San Diego State just made plays when it counted. Exactly. Like that fourth and four play, which is the play of the game, essentially keeps the drive going because they don't get that clearly. The game's over, mm-hmm. just about. And Nevada, what they need to work on is going forward. We'll see because the standings are – well, they have two – is it um, – I'll pull up San Diego in a second here. But San Diego like State's the, all alone in first place right now. Yeah, and Fresno and Nevada each have two losses, right? Uh, yes. So Fresno is five and two in conference play. Nevada is four and two. Four and two. San Diego State basically needs to lose twice almost to not win this thing. 
Yeah, I mean the tiebreaker scenarios are in the in the mountain in the West Division are slightly different than I think they would be in the in the Mountain Division, only because at the moment Fresno still has the tiebreaker advantage against both San Diego State and Nevada. You mean San Diego State does? Or, no, no, no. Fresno beat them both. Oh, that's right. Oh, what am I thinking? I, oh, yeah, you're right. I, for some reason, I. Wait. So it's so it's not one and one all the mm. way around as it would be if. Utah State, Air Force, and Boise State all end up at six and two. Okay, this is a dumb question. Who did the Aztecs lose to a conference play? Because I'm drawing a huge blank. They, they played. They lost to Fresno. Oh, never mind. I, just, I don't know why I think. Okay, you just said. It. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, they have one loss. All oh, they beat both these teams. They're ranked. They're this. I'm like, no way. I so just, so the Aggies and the Aztecs <laughs> still directly control their own destiny. You're right. They do. I for some reason I thought it was the other way around for some reason. Both still have two games to go, and so you know. They they can't let up. They just got to keep in Got to keep handling business. Are they going to? You think? Do you want to make a prediction right now? We got three games left. Two games left. Excuse me. Ten two weeks left. So they're on, they're on the road at UNLV, and then they get Boise State on Black Friday. Nine a.m. local kick Black Friday. Yeah, um, in CBS. two two, fri- two Friday games to end the year on on the uh, on the home of Aztecs football, CBS Sports. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> totally. They have an eight they kick next week. When does it, when is it? Okay. When I know we're not looking ahead to week um, 12, or whatever, but why is it at eight? Th- do they do eight, three local kicks typically? I thought they do seven 30 out West. There must be some there basketball must be something might weird be going on or something like that. Yeah. Cause that's 1130 Eastern kick in Vegas. Um, maybe it's just in Vegas just because um, do we need to get to what San Diego state saying about the um, Arizona bowl? Do we need to end on that? We can, if you want to. Do you believe that there's okay. First off, why is this coming out now that they're surprised about it? about who the sponsor for the Arizona Bowl is. I mean, I would imagine that, you know, whatever concerns have been voiced internally within the program have been voiced for a while now. And it, was, and it isn't until sort of things are start, starting to come into focus for a team out in front like the Aztecs that, you know, it is it is maybe a more proper time to talk about it. Um, you want to know something hilarious? Okay, you know how we talked before here? Um, so... It's Barstool who does it, who's a piece of jerks and trash. Like, if you like them and you don't care, we talk crap about I don't care. Go away. It's fine. So I get it. We get it. I'm just looking at Twitter right now. I'm muting a bunch of people because I made a few responses. I, we had two, two same responses. Because I called a POS organization because there's those, uh, well, we know about the, uh, like, rape jokes. I, I agree. Continue. Alleged rape, whatever that was, the business insider thing, which to say when it was released – I could see where there could be some issues with that when earnings is coming out to kind of get you a little bit. Regardless, the content trumps about maybe any alternative motives for pen gambling, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like I could see a little strategic doing that on their side, but I'm like, it's behind a paywall and stuff like that. But a response just literally moments ago, Sunday night, or maybe it's an hour ago, no, 10 minutes ago. I'm like, Hey, it's a POS organization. And this guy responds, organization with a female CEO and a female CRO. I'm like, yeah, they can still be pieces of shit as well if they're a female or male. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter. It's like saying I got a black friend and I'm not racist, or I have a gay friend and I'm not I like gay people or something. I'm not homophobic. It, you mean you can still be any race and be racist. You can be have friends who are straight or gay or whatever and still hate a certain how people live. You know what I mean? It doesn't, I don't care. What they've done, yes, they've done some things like, oh, we, they've helped small businesses give people money. That's not a bad thing, right? 
However, I think they're trying to cover their tracks about stuff they've done in years past. Like, yeah, we'll donate money to small businesses and help them. Cool, fine. I'm still like, like you and I don't care for stuff you've done and what you do and what you write about and what you talk about and what you try to do. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I don't know. It's just, you can read their crap. I don't care. Don't, if whatever. I don't give a crap if you do or not. Just don't bring it to me. Say they're not a bad organization or a bad thing. If it's not going to be on TV, they're going to make a mockery of the situation, probably make fun of the whole thing the whole time, like what they do. They think they're funny and they're not really funny or clever. They're just the lowest denominator type of jokes, what they try to do online. They make fun of everything of that shouldn't be made fun of. Like they'll be demeaning to any organization out there. And if anybody says a word about them, they go, oh, we're going to go give out people's email, phone number or whatnot. It's like, you guys are a bunch of all the people who follow them. Like not all, I shouldn't say all, but a lot of them will just follow along and go attack somebody just because. Mm -hmm. And it's like, do you think like a Mountain West, like do you think they should just say no to this bowl game? Like, you're, the bowl game's not paying out much money. You know what I mean? A couple hundred thousand dollars. Like, go to a different bowl game. Like, why? It's this is just a complete mess. I mean, honestly, like, if I were in a position of power and I could make that decision, no, I wouldn't take their money. However, Jesse makes a good point. Our buddy who did Wyoming stuff for us years ago, if it was the Barstool Peach Bowl, that might be a different story, which he's not wrong because that's a lot of money. However, I'd like to say the Peach Bowl or other bigger bowl games have more integrity and can get sponsors that actually pay out the money. That's true. Yeah. I'm also glad that I don't have to make that decision. I just, I would hope because like they discussed, like I saw one buddy like, Hey, we're not, we're not gonna, like, he doesn't follow us, but they come in our mentions for some reason, but Hey, I'm like, we're not really going to cover the game all that much. Like I'll put projections, but I don't put who the sponsor is when I talk about it or anything. Like I'm not going to watch the game on their platform. I'll just look at the box score and see other people say or whatever. I'm not going to support them and give them any money or say who's sponsoring the game at all, because what's the point? Like, we're not, I'm not going to drive traffic to the other side. Like, if it's a mountainous team, like, well, yeah, we can write about the game itself, but I'm not going to say how to watch it. Just say this is the game. It may, it's literally nothing because we're very small in the big grand scheme of things. But I would like to think, like, I don't want to support, I know there's other places that are bad. Like, we're not saying like they're the only bad people out there. There's a lot of, you could say anything about ExxonMobil, about any oil company or any company that does this or that. Companies do bad stuff, Starbucks or whatever. There's all sorts of stuff. Coca-Cola, Pizza, Domino's, Papa John's. There's lots of stuff out there that people don't do good things. or companies you never heard of, right, Matt? Mm -hmm. But when they're this forthgoing and denying stuff and saying bad things and attacking anybody that says a bad word about them, it's like, I can't take you seriously. I don't care how popular you are about a, to a certain set of, set of people. It's just, I don't think teams should go. It's not worth it, right? It's like also one last thing. I'll let you, you're about to say something. Any athlete who wants to be sponsored by them and you just get gear, don't do it. Even if it, if you're, if, I would say the same thing if it's more for them. But if you're going through Nike, Under Armour, Adidas, Russell, Foot Lock, anybody that gives you just gear, it's not worth it. Get money. Don't get free crap, especially crap from them. Yeah, I mean, you're you're preaching to the choir here, man. I know, I'm just saying, like, I don't want to be the one saying, I want to make sure I'm not, you just like be quiet. Like, well, actually, I'd like to. No, I think I've tried to make it very clear to, especially to those who follow us on social media, like, this is not a, this is not a barstool friendly website. It's, it's just the lowest common denominator jokes and they make sex jokes and stupid jokes. And so it's like, like it's like, yeah, I'm just going to, I'm just going to borrow from, uh, from that guy, Dave Wasserman. Yes. You know, the, the political guy. I'm just going to say, I've seen enough. I don't need to see anymore. Yeah. It's like I'm responding right now on Twitter to this guy's like this the female stuff. So I'm like, tell me if this is the proper response. I'll twit I'll have you edit my Twitter at the moment, Max. It's on our side account. I go, hmm, cool. So females can't be bad people as well. Is that a good response to put back to him? Hmm. <laughs>
just saying they call us a sexist pig for saying that the, about all their i put uh just they're a bad organization or should i just let it go and just meet this guy Nah, just mute him you sure i kind of want to just, just, I do just it for my ca- cast him into cast him into the fire <sighs> fine i will do it i will let fine i'm muting right now anything else we'd add because okay let me ask you a serious question we'll wrap up here is it would a team would a team turn this bowl invitation down in the Mountain West? Well, um, let's look at who's bowl eligible right now. Um, well, you okay? So let's see. Wyoming's been there recently, so if they get to bowl eligibility, I don't think they're going to slot them in there again. Um, assuming that both San Diego State and Utah State are the runners up or the winner of the conference in some capacity, one of them's going to end up in LA anyway. Um, True. I would imagine Boise, that, one last point with the ball thought here. I put Boise State. That's how argument we got on Twitter from Boise State fan. Like I put them in the home game twice, two weeks in a row. I still think that might be a good possibility of throwing in a finish like seven to five. Well, but um, then, I mean, the Hawaii Bowl is going to open up. Hawaii's not going to be eligible for a bowl this year. Correct. So somebody could head out there. Boise could go out there and do a 2013 style. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Air, Force doesn't, been Air Force doesn't well. see. I mean, I, honestly, I don't know. If you're running the team and it's either bowl game, this bowl game or nothing, what would you do? Like I said, I'm glad I don't have to make that decision. No, but but if, decision, it, if it were my, I already said, if it were my decision, I wouldn't do it. What is their payout? Like 300000 or something? It's not, not nearly enough for me to compromise my integrity. Last year was 2019 because they didn't do it last year, if I recall. I'm pretty sure it wasn't last year. Yeah. Um, offer, maybe the offer pad, whatever that was. $350,000 in 2019. Bowl games typically lose money. Here's the thing, too. San Diego State saying this now means nothing because they're not going to that bowl game regardless. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> I don't know. It's like, if you are, if you, okay. Why, I don't know. Like, Air Force won't go there. I, I I would like to think they won't go there. We're just kind of hem and hot now. There's no real point in saying who's going to go or not. But if you're a team that's been to – if let me put it this way. If Boise State, because they want to go to the bowl they, – they didn't go last year just because they decided not to. If there's a bowl game – like if they go, you're going to Arizona Bowl. Do you think they would say no? Like Andy Avalos's first year? That's a fascinating question. Because that would mean a couple of things. Because because the way the bowl lineup typically looks in the Mountain West, champion LA Bowl – Everything else is typically up for grabs, two through six. And it's Hawaii, typically geographic, too. Kind of, yeah. As so, best as they can, anyway. Best they can. Like, the, the Mexico Bowl is usually kind of the lower end. Hawaii Bowl is kind of up higher because they usually get an American team. That's usually a pretty good matchup. Mm-hmm. But I would love nothing more than, oh, just say no, they can't do the bowl game. Somebody's going to take it. It's not going to not be played. But I just don't, like, who's going to, like, who's going to watch the game? It's is it even free to watch? Is it pay-per-view? I know it's on their stupid website. That I don't know. I don't know. So it's like, I wouldn't be shocked if they had to pay 10 bucks to watch the game. Would you? <laughs> I wouldn't pay it. Well, I mean, but would you be surprised if they charge 10 bucks? Uh, no, I would not be. Because they claim we're going to have a million people watching. You're telling me the people who love your website, which if you do, whatever. I don't, whatever. You're telling me all those people are going to watch a, well, not Wyoming, but... Um, San Jose, uh, San Jose State, they go to bowl game. No, who's who's the bottom of the bowl, bowl barrel right now? Well, okay, so the Spart- the Spartans could be eligible. Let's say it's San Jose State. If you're telling me, or they, if you're telling me it's San Jose State versus Eastern Michigan, 
because it's at Mac team, I believe. Uh-huh. You're telling me all the people who follow your rep are going to watch that bowl game in millions of droves? And f- are they going to get five figures to watch this game? I've seen enough. I've seen enough Mountain West football games on like Facebook and Campus Insiders. They don't draw that. And uh, and and the Team One Sports app. You're home for Hawaii football the last couple of last years. <laughs> um, I've seen enough to know that none of those platforms get anywhere close to a million viewers. No, I'm not saying it's a good million viewer game, but um, I don't know, man. It's just we're. I just I'm glad somebody's saying about it, but. It's going to be, oh, we're going to get money. We're going to go. It's a bowl game. It's like, stand up for something. Like, there's some been pretty bad sponsors, like stupid sponsors, like the Bullfrog Fiesta Bowl, I think it was a couple of years ago, whatever. Battlefrog, I believe. Battlefrog. Is that a video game, I believe, or an app or something? I honestly don't remember. That's how fleeting it was. <laughs> I know. It's like the offer pad last year. It's like, I know we're just screwing around with this topic here at the end, but. By the way, by the way, I just want to put it out there that Eastern Michigan and San Jose State would be a, a rematch. <laughs> Of the only game that of the only bowl game that uh, Eastern Michigan has ever won, so let, let's not slander these two programs so too much. They have a history I, together. I, I wasn't slander. I'm just putting two. I'm this big picture. The casual college football fan or casual fan, like even the casual football fan, like not really tuning into that game for more than a couple minutes if it's close, right? Not that's typically now. That, that's what I'm saying. Like bowl game, middle of the day, sure I may tune in, but my point being, they're not going to draw a huge audience. They might be super creative and do something on the broadcast that's weird, but. I don't, there's a reason that ESPN show got canceled after one week. Mm-hmm. I honestly don't get how they're popular and how these people who say they're self-respecting and go on their stupid podcasts all the time. I don't, I don't get it, but we're going to end here. We'll see. Um, the bowl's going to be, be, be filled probably by a mountain West team. And if people come after, Hey, like we don't care about your website. I'm like, fine. I don't care about you and your 50 Twitter followers, pal. Say what you want, spin to the wind, which I think the mute button's more effective than me going back and forth with some dummies. Right. There you go. All right, that's it. Week, week, uh, what is this? Week 11? We're still on week 11 talking about this stuff. Recap. That's true. (laughs) All right, we'll be back next week, next show, to talk about the previewing week 12. A couple weeks left. I guess we need to dust off the tiebreaker book to just, how about we do this, Matt? Because looking at it really quick right now, let's, um, let's only do it if for some reason there's a tie at the top of the division. Is that fair to say? Yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll treat everything as is. We got our clear front runners. If things change next week, which we'll talk, we'll talk more about the in the preview midweek this coming week. But you know, things could change. And if they do, we will be ready. All right, that's it for today. MWR.com, MWCR Twitter. We have basketball stuff coming out. So our website's gonna be flooded. So check our Twitter, check our if you subscribe via RSS feed, if you still do that. I use Feedly, so subscribe and read our stuff there if you want. But we'll be back next time for all the football stuff, week 12. It's gonna be crazy with a couple weeks left going and um Yeah, subscribe, let us know, and we'll see you next time.